It's been 20 years since the collapse of the USSR, and people still argue over what factors, internal or external, brought it to the brink. Reporter Bridget McCarthy recently spoke with a Soviet-born author who has a novel theory, one that involves discos and black market music. Sergei Zhuk remembers the first time he heard rock and roll. I was six years old when my brother brought the record Rabbi Soul from The Beatles, its album of 65. Zhuk grew up in the USSR in the 1960s and 70s. He says everybody was obsessed with the Beatles and Rolling Stones back then. Because it was very unusual for our ear, it was sincere, there was a lot of energy. Sergei Zhuk moved to the United States in the 1990s and is a professor of history at Ball State University in Indiana. He traces how this forbidden music slipped under the Iron Curtain and hastened the demise of Soviet communism in his new book, Rock and Roll in the Rocket City. He has a provocative thesis. I would argue that rock music per se did not destroy socialism, but values and cultural practices related to obtaining this music contribute to the end of socialism. The Rocket City of the book's title is Zhuk's hometown, Dnipropetrovsk, a city in eastern Ukraine. It was the site of the Soviet Union's biggest missile factory. And unlike Moscow and Leningrad, it was off-limits to foreigners. As a result, we can use Dnipropetrovsk as a model of the entire Soviet closed society. It wasn't easy for kids to get their hands on actual albums. You needed tourists for that. We have no tourists, foreign tourists, but we have parents, very influential parents, who traveled abroad. KGB officials, apparatchik officials, children from these families had all this forbidden music. Which they then copied onto cassettes and sold, creating a thriving black market. Zhuk says the Soviet government's response to the underground rock culture was riddled with internal contradictions. On the one hand, the authorities called it ideological anti-Soviet pollution and even outlawed certain bands, like KISS. According to our ideologies, they represented fascist music. Not because of their weird face paint. It was the SS in the band's logo. And this is a paradox because American band KISS was organized by a Jewish guy whose grandparents came from Odessa, from Ukraine. But the Soviet government tolerated and even promoted other groups. Because they released a bootleg version of these songs on Soviet records. Beatles, Deep Purple, T-Rex, Slade, Sweet, uh, Rolling Stones, without names of these bands. And played up the anti-imperialist and lefty lyrics in some of the songs. Then the Young Communist League, the youth wing of the Soviet Communist Party, cashed in on the rock craze by opening discotheques in schools and factories. These dance clubs were hugely popular throughout the Soviet Union in the 70s and 80s. They probably weren't that different from discos in the West, except that Soviet kids had to sit through an hour-long lecture on socialism before the music came on. Russian President Dmitry Medvedev was a DJ at one of these young Communist League discos. So was Sergei Zhuk. For many years. Because I love this music, uh, because I uh, need to add some uh, money to my family budget. This was while he was on the faculty at Dnipropetrovsk University. I made more money on uh, my gigs than uh, on my teaching history classes in those days. 
Professor Zhuk says the young party activists and apparatchiks who ran these discos were supposed to be enforcing communist values. Meanwhile, they were using Western music to get rich. Zhuk calls them the deep purple generation. If you analyze who now rule post-Soviet space, all these people were former ambitious apparatchiks who developed this very important cynical approach toward any ideology. Along with the business skills and political connections that helped them prosper after the collapse of communism. Zhuk says this is one reason many in the former Soviet Union are cynical about post-Soviet capitalism. And they're increasingly nostalgic for certain aspects of socialism. We were poor, of course, but we didn't feel this. And suddenly we realized we have very rich people, few of them, and the majority of us just poor, having nothing. But at least they still have the music. For The World, I'm Bridget McCarthy. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed. If you'd like to learn more about Rock and Roll in the Rocket City by Sergei Zhuk, just go to theworld.org. From the Nan and Bill Harris studios at WGBH, I'm Lisa Mullins. Thanks for listening. All these places have their moments.